Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast you should listen to. The C.J. McCollum Show, where every week New Orleans Pelicans star C.J. McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with the inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's the C.J. McCollum Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. This is that time of week where we have a guest join us coming to us live from the West Coast. Got up early with us. Uh, check him out at Slate. Check him out on Hang Up and Listen. Uh, check out his new story on Herschel Walker. In an election that is not finished, and I sure wish that it was one way or another. Joel Anderson, what's going on? Oh, what's up, man? Th- thanks for having me on. Also, I just had a got indulged in for a second. You know what Yo, I'm saying? Ace time. Ace time. I was actually thinking about this with the Astros because I think you may have grown up rooting for the Astros. I didn't. There was no shade oh, to the Astros, but I had a team before we got to Houston. You know, yeah. and they was already in the division. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, that wasn't there wasn't no uh, ship jumping on that one. I don't but, begrudge you that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no matter how much black people do or do not watch baseball that ain't got nothing to do with the local baseball cap there is no way to put on for your city quite like the local baseball cap that is the biggest i want to let y'all know where i'm from situation right there absolutely man bro i mean actually if you looked at the uh, championship parade too man um, I know people, the numbers on black folks in baseball are what they are, but it is not reflected in who is out there talking, who is showing up, you know what I'm saying, who is on Facebook, you know, throwing up the H, throwing up yeah. the Astros, talking about Dusty, you know what I'm saying? That's, well, this is Well, that's the next level, man. We got like Uncle Dusty, right? Like nobody says that explicitly, but nobody gives you more cool uncle than Dusty Baker. Nobody in the world, right? That's why we let him slide when he says somewhat absurd things from time to time. I mean, absolutely. Well, I mean, the toothpick thing, the toothpick thing reminds me of my dad. It reminds me of every uncle I've ever had, you know, just having it right there in their mouth, just sitting in there. Like I grew up wanting to do that. Like I mm-hmm. I remember going to every restaurant and doing a toothpick in my mouth, just like my pops and like, oh, Dusty Baker does that. He's representing for the culture. You know, right. I, I tell you this, though, I've been thinking about this with game theory. I got to figure out what we, how, how do I how do I get down there and just kick it with Dusty Baker listening to vinyl because you know he's a music junkie right like oh yeah that's right that's like he right. could be a he could be a music critic like a professional music critic like he's in music on that level I just want to go to Dusty's house with a stack of vinyl because you know his system is like that you know oh, it's like that oh he has a system in a way that like people in the eight seventies and eighties had I bet yeah. you know probably has a whole wall laid out with speakers and everything else and yes. surround sound and the whole joint uh you know. <laughs> Also, I just the one thing about Dusty that I I, I really like um, is that he didn't run from the idea of being a black manager winning a World Series was significant. And like that, like when you talk about the Uncle Dusty part of it, I'm just like, yo, don't run from it. Say that. Yeah, I don't you know, me being old, whatever, but me being black doing this. Yeah, this is actually meaningful. And I was really disappointed when Ty Bowles sort of downplayed the impact of him coaching against Mike Tomlin. I understand why he did whatever. Like, everybody can feel differently about it. But did Dusty don't run from it? 
that's a dude that you know has been raised up in the game by you know the people that brought him in they taught him about the importance of that and and representing in the game yeah. you know well i think there are two things though um one i do not think that ty bowles coaching against mike tomlin in a regular season game was a big Fair. deal right like Fair i thought I, I did think that particular matchup but they had been if they were both dungy guys or something like that i think i might have looked at that one a little different ty bowles are just like damn man you realize how much i got to deal with over here as it is and now you out here trying to make it february you know what i'm saying he's just like yeah. nah i'm not going there but let me tell you something about baseball i was talking to howard about this i don't want to say which player he was talking about but one former player from our childhood um hmm. okay. talked to dusty and i mean talked to howard it was just like you don't understand man like we mow down for each other over here than anywhere else they all like, they got is us yeah right yeah yeah like that was his thing we mow down for each other in baseball than any other sport he was like the fraternity of back of black baseball players and understand the significance of blackness is not lost on any of those dudes over there and so for dusty like we got to remember with dusty he's the he's the connective tissue to hank aaron and willie hank. mays like yes. he's really taking you back and, and i think it's easy to forget about both of those guys is that they hit the big leagues at the relative dawn of integration, right? Like mm -hmm. there's a few years between them and say Jackie Robinson, but I think Willie Mays came up in like 1951. That's four years after Jackie right. Robinson. That's like almost 10 years before some teams actually got a black player. And those are, those are like Dusty Baker's daddies is Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. How lucky is that? Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, he was the one that brought up Cito Gaston after the World Series, right? He's like, hey, man, I was a young brother out there in Little Rock, Arkansas. And look, I've heard what you've had to say about Arkansas on the show before, so I'm not, we ain't going to get into it. You never said nothing about you Arkansas ain't get into that it, you ain't you know? never said. <laughs> but, I, but my family's from there. I feel like I got the right to say it. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, but, but but fair enough. But yeah, he's from. he said I was in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, you know, at the time that he was there, which, I mean, if you in Little Rock, Arkansas, 1951 to 1991, it's still a very tough place. Yes. <laughs> but but it, it, he he told that story to say that, hey, look, man, we've been looking out for each other. And I just remember when you had Nelson George on and he talked about how Willie Mays would have dudes over to the house. And so, yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, you're right, man. If you're a black American baseball player like you, you are connected it goes back. It goes back a ways, and they're really they're really understanding of the importance of those connections and looking out for people in the game. Because, like you said, there's just not many of them. There's not enough of them to uh, quibble, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. And if I'm Dusty, man, I would like to announce my retirement, undefeated for video boxing. Like right now, it's a wrap. Yeah. I'm not. Wait. I ain't coming back. Man, he's 73. Man, why would he quit? What do you want? What else he gonna do? Sit at the crib and listen to music. Yeah, like he came back, he came back for a very specific reason. I think win a World Series, go to the Hall of Fame. You got I that. Hear, I hear that, but man, you know how it is, man. When you get to be, I think the thing is, when you get that old, you want to have purpose, man. You gotta get up. You want to yeah. have something to do every day. And oh, no, I mean, I all, feel you. You know, I mean, look, he could he, look. Dusty, come on back. If you want to come on back home, <laughs> you want to try to get number three, then come on, let's do it. You know, here's all I'm saying, man. Hang around long enough and they'll run you out for some bullshit. This man sure. been fired three different times the season after winning 90 games. I personally would like to quit on my own terms. That but, that that would be I, me. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. He should know, I mean, he should know uh <laughs> he should know the people around him. He knows that they're not in it for the long haul with him, at least. <laughs> you know, so yeah, but you know, I look 73 years old, man. I was like, yeah, look. 
what's another year and I, mm-hmm. I i think that you know he's got he's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of uh you know a, a little time now he's won the championship i don't think they would fire him next year but hey man you know a lot of stuff happens unprecedented i was about to say involved. man i was about to say man they're a little unpredictable dog like like that whole they ain't gonna do that but they might i didn't think frank Reich was gonna get fired you know what i mean yo so, so <laughs> i felt fairly confident that frank Reich was going to get fired after they fired the offensive coordinator last week right like we're running out of people to fire another was, young brother by the way yeah, offensive coordinator. yeah yeah the young brother and the young brother didn't i mean what was he gonna do right with the quarterback situation that they wound up with or whatever but when when they fired him i was like oh okay the only next step to take here is to fire the head coach. Like that's that's the only thing that you well, have left. But I mean, here's the thing: why you and I, you remember when we both saw together that Sam Ellinger was going to be the quarterback, and we were like, okay, uh, what the hell are we supposed to do with that? How is that his fault? <laughs> you know, how, how is Sam Ellinger a move that Jim Ursay wanted? By the way, he right. wants Sam Ellinger. To, so, but that's the problem. I mean, he wants it, so you go. We gonna get somebody in here who can make it work with Sam Ellinger. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, man, Tom Herman couldn't make it work with Sam Ellinger. Nah, uh, Tom Herman couldn't make it work with Sam Ellinger. I don't know, like, what wizard would be able to make it work with Sam Ellinger in the NFL. Ursay see something about him, and it just Ursay just seemed like he on what? his individual streak right now, right? So, like, right. C- case in point, um, I think Golik hit me with a text. It was like. Junior, just to be clear, it said, <laughs> "Yeah, I now believe that Jim Irsay acted alone um, on the Dan Snyder thing. Like after after the Jeff Saturday hire, he was like, yeah, I I, I now believe that he acted alone um, on that.' So like he went and did that. He made this wholly unprecedented move. To I, can you think of a time that somebody made an external hire for the interim? I've never heard of that, and I was wondering." I was wondering. I was. I was hoping that you all had the information on that at ESPN because I was. I've. I've. Even when I first heard it, I was like, "Oh, I didn't. I thought Jeff Saturday was on TV. I didn't know that he was on the Colts staff. Like that's what I immediately thought." And I was like, "Oh, wait, he's not even working for the Colts. So, what does that say for the staff there? By the way, for one, well, well, here's the thing. He had been. I mean, he's worked as a consultant, but God knows what that means, right? So he had been there. Everybody went to race on this one. Right. Mm, right. And understandably kind of, so. Understandably so. Sort of. Sort of. It is an understandable null hypothesis. But it's worth it to stop and think about it for a second before we roll out with the null hypothesis is actually being the conclusion. And so this is the thing to me. Anytime somebody in the NFL makes a ridiculous move Mm -hmm. as it relates to coaching, right? Mm -hmm. The first move for everybody is, but y'all can't hire a black man, right? Now, we could do that with just about literally every industry that there is if we so decided, if we wanted to do on that, right? Right. This was so absurd, though, that for me, it was going to take a while before I got around to the race part I was too caught up on you just made an external interim hire in the middle of the season. And the reason to me that the jump to the race part is premature. What about the white man? Like, like, (laughs) yes, this one white man got this boost up into this. 
John Fox is right there with two trips to the Super Bowl. He got to the Super Bowl with Jake DeLome. And this is an important point. The interim is very often not a coordinator because making a position coach the interim helps with stability. And so now the offensive coordinator doesn't have to worry about calling timeouts and doesn't have to worry about challenges or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. John Fox is a senior defensive assistant. Like, that is a prime person to be the interim coach. And you know John Fox would love to be a head coach again. I honestly don't know why he shouldn't be able to be. Oh, I forgot he had that thing. With, he did coach the Bears for a little while. That was his last chance. Man, I forgot but about that. Oh my I God, did, yeah. too, until this very moment. But okay. <laughs> he would like to be a coach again. Gus Bradley, like, you know, he's defensive coordinator. He's like, damn, dog, it was Jacksonville. What y'all expect out of me? They didn't promote him either. Like, there were able-bodied white men right there. People like, well, what about Reggie Wayne if you're going to get somebody with no experience? No, why are you getting somebody with no experience? Let's start there. What do you go into that locker room? And this is something you can uh, ask Dominique or whoever uh, uh, about this. What do you tell those players in the locker room? Hey, man, I know we got Sam Ellinger, quarterback, uh, I know we got a guy who was a high school head coach uh, very recently and not coach above that, but go out there and fight every Sunday. Like, what are you supposed to tell those guys? Because, I mean, they still got to go out there and get hurt. You know what I mean? What are they sacrificing their bodies for if this is if this is the plan? Oh, here's what you tell them. I in the sky don't lie. That, that is that is that is the only motivation. The I in the sky don't lie. If you try to get this money, you might want to get out here and ball. The guy I feel bad for is Jonathan Taylor, right? Jonathan Ooh. Taylor was looking like he could be like Derrick Henry. I said, like possibly the last Hall of Fame running back. You know what I mean? Because we just you can't get enough carries anymore to do the things that our minds say make you a Hall of Fame running back. But Jonathan Taylor was shaping up after literally the most underrated collegiate career that any oh, yeah. player has ever had. He was becoming that dude in the league. They ain't got no yeah. offensive line, and they ain't got no quarterback. What? Yeah. I mean, but it, he's hurt right now, right? So maybe that, <laughs> you know, maybe he going to stay hurt. Uh, but, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I feel bad for him. You know, the funny thing was, too, uh, to, to back out for a second, I, w- I remember when I heard that Frank Wright got fired and they hired Jeff Saturday. And I was like, man, you can tell that the NFL has really changed because Romeo Cornell and Terry Robisky <laughs> didn't get that job. Like, that's a, that's a job for Terry Robisky, you know? No, Yo, <laughs> and, you know, and you know why that was a job for Terry Robisky? Because Terry Robisky's a running backs coach rather yeah. than a coordinator. And right. so he's always right there to steady the ship and get him a couple extra, you know, get a little boost on that paycheck for the last yeah. four weeks. You know what I'm saying? Get some time and yeah. a half. This is like, hey man, okay, I you know I just take I do I do a little something else. I you know don't, don't take me nothing to do the pregame speech, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that was my problem with so many people though. Who, like, I, again, I think as a null hypothesis, the race thing was worth bringing you, up. You got to explain what a null hypothesis is to the okay. people, to those my of bad. us who are not as smart as you. So. My bad, my bad, yeah. my bad. The null hypothesis is, hey, I think this is what happened. Okay, that's what you start with, and then from there we test whether or not that's the case and on this one i don't think it really like stood up that tough to the test and here's why i don't think it really stood up to the test more than anything else if they had given that job to a black dude i don't want to say what everybody else would say but i know what i would have said see he ain't got no chance there they go 
giving us a situation yeah. where we ain't, ain't got, got no, got chance. no <laughs> chance. So why why are we why why are we so thirsty that we want a job for somebody else that we would not want for ourselves? People are like, well, hey man, it's a chance. No, it's not a chance. It, it's it's not a chance, but we don't know. I mean, maybe the next interim coach will be Marv Levy, a Don Coryell, or Art Shell. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, but that's the may, thing. Even maybe if Sam Elliger. Even maybe. if they are those people, that don't mean we gonna get the job. It's Careful. more likely that it's not a winner of a job, and then you losing is gonna be held against you. I agree. I guess the thing is, is that so you're either dealing with I don't even get a shot at that job or I get a shot at a job that is most likely going to be bad. And I don't know which is worse. Like, do you want to never be considered? Because, I mean, some of these guys will never. I mean, I, I think about a guy like Raheem Morris. I was thinking about Raheem the other day and I was like, man, where's Raheem Morris? He had he went actually in the whole scheme of things. He wasn't that bad as the head coach for the Bucks. So no, like he just got the job too young. And right. like his strategy of I'm hood just like them was not the best presentational approach uh, for being an NFL head. Oh, so you saying he did? 30. He took the Robert Sarver approach to coaching? <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Robert Sarver, <laughs> Robert Sarver was the first person they had down there. They had, they yeah. had Raheem down there. But yeah. the story for me with Raheem is Raheem looked around and said, "Look, man, they only hiring offensive coaches to be head coaches." then I'm going to be an offensive coach. And then he went and he became a wide receivers coach and moved up like assistant head coach type stuff. But then the Falcons got caught in that situation where they needed to get their defensive coordinator situation right. Raheem went and did that. They made him the interim. He does not have that job. He's now the defensive coordinator with the Rams where he won a Super Bowl, but he's still over there as defensive coordinator of the Rams. And this is what I'm saying. But see, that's what I'm saying. Like, these, you, no, but I'm saying this: if one of these cats comes up there and has that, does that Colts job, right. and they don't win no games, which is entirely right. possible, that dude likely is never getting another chance to be a head coach. I saw somebody, and like I said, I think there's just a lot of reflex where the NFL has no credibility. Therefore, every time something like this happens, right. you're going to have people challenge it. Where somebody was like, I was like, yo, the interim gig, I just don't think it's that good. And somebody was like, yeah, well, Dan Campbell parlayed that and do a head job, and I was like. He did that six years later right. or something crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I just think, I do think there are a lot of people who are primed up because this is an issue that's so constant that it's easy to be like, cool, this is the thing we're going to jump on. And then, of course, our lovely, performative, attempted ally, Caucasian brothers and sisters. <laughs> they know that's the right <laughs> answer right now because it's never the wrong answer. It's always the right answer because the league is always wrong when it comes to it. But I got worried about this one when Ursay in the press conference then was like, and hopefully he'll be the coach right. for much longer. And then it was like, okay, now you're now now you now you're now you're doing things. You know what I'm saying? Well, right. Well, so, I mean, it, it 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 makes you wonder. Does it even matter what the record is? Right. Like, because then because. Because Ursay could just say, well, hey, man, look, I didn't give him much of a chance. I just wanted to see those leadership abilities on the sideline. I just wanted a, a glimpse at it. I think he could do it when we give him the team he needs. The problem is that um, the problem there isn't the coach. It's the GM. Right. Like, I mean, how many I mean, how many years are we going to do this? Yeah. I mean, I, they have, they've not recovered since Andrew Luck left, which is understandable. Right. I mean, franchise quarterback. He was great. But. 
I mean, at what point are we going to be like, all right, man, like somebody else has got to call the shots here or 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 maybe they're going to give Chris Ballard a chance. And this is why they brought Jeff Saturday in. They're going to give yeah. Jeff Saturday a chance to be on the tanking team. And Chris Ballard can select Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, whatever. And then they'll go from there. Well, I think for me, the trick bag of figuring out whose fault it is, is this. The quarterback situation, right? They mm-hmm. have a quarterback problem, but they did something with quarterback. The Lions have done this thus far that I kind of think more teams should do, but I understand why they don't, which is don't force it. Yep. If there's not a quarterback there, don't take a quarterback, right? Absolutely. Um, I think New England's going to ask themselves that question about going with Mac Jones, right? Like, right. he all right. He all right. Do you want to take a quarterback where you just look at him and be like, eh, he all right, right? So the Colts did a lot of stopgap stuff, but understandable. The year with with Phillip Rivers, not a bad idea. Carson Wentz, if you didn't think he was finished, now most of us thought he was, but you can understand why Frank Wright didn't. Okay, give that a try. Relatively young guy, if you can get it going, cool. But if you don't see a guy in the draft that you think is the guy, like that's how I feel about Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett. Yeah. But I'm like, hey, man, I don't think the guy, I don't think he's a guy. I don't think he's there, but he was the guy that was available. Right. And so they went ahead and took him, and now you stuck for a couple of years trying to figure out if he's the guy. Absolutely, no, I agree. I look, I, I don't necessarily have any problems with the way the Colts approached it, uh, and I'm I tend to be a process guy over results guy. So you can make an excuse for every at each juncture for why this didn't work out. Like Matt Ryan, I didn't think Matt Ryan oh, was, he was finished, cool. but he was cool. But I thought that he could be okayish because the the theory was that he's playing behind would have been the best offensive line, great running back and Jonathan Taylor and enough enough talented wide receiver to get by. But like when the offensive line fell apart, then you see for sure that Matt Ryan ain't got nothing left. Um, but it well, was an understandable was that decision. Was the thing. Right. His brain was at that, I can figure out how to make it work. But I've been saying his arm was cooked for years. And then Falcons fans, I was like, look, I didn't even say he was totally cooked, but his arm was cooked. But then you do that. He like he like old people. Like, old people all like this, man. You can't take them out of their familiar situation and then think everything gonna be okay. Well, they did that with Philip Rivers. I mean, now, if Philip Rivers was older, yeah, but he wasn't cooked. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Fair point. I hadn't been watching a lot of Falcons games as of late, so I couldn't tell. But it, on, on paper, it seemed to have made sense. Yeah. And like you said, there wasn't a quarterback in the draft that anybody had to have this year. But I might make that case this year. Like I don't really. Look, man, there's more than enough reason to be concerned about whether or not Bryce Young is an NFL quarterback, right? Like we just yeah. gotten over the idea that he's a, not a big dude at no, all. No, yeah, that's like, my thing. I'm not. I'm not here and, for little quarterbacks. And not. And not. I mean, I, he has athleticism. He has some escapability, but like that is not necessarily his bag. Um, so, what what advantage is he going to have in the NFL? Yeah, the size thing worries me, right? And mm-hmm. he's not an like supreme great athlete right like he can move he can make things happen um but yeah i'm not i'm worried about a six foot tall 195 pound quarterback like that's that's yeah. that's i'll always be that he's small in college yeah even <laughs> even if you want the shorter quarterback he's not built to me at least and you tell me if i'm wrong like russell wilson or kyler murray like one of those sturdier type dudes those are barrels man uh kyler murray yeah. and 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 russell wilson and also like Hyper athletes, man. Like, I mean, yeah. Ru- I mean, Kyler Murray is like an incredible athlete. He was going to be, he was a first round pick in the in MLB draft. 
I don't think Bryce is that kind of an athlete. And then, I mean, I don't know, man. You know, we reasonable minds can disagree about C.J. Stroud. But the one thing that I've heard about him that they've said is that he's not great under pressure. Okay. Bad news. Uh, that's that, that's, that, that, that can't, that can't, that's, that can't the, that's how the NFL works. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, and Will Levis. I mean, I don't know. I got to You got to show me a quarterback from Kentucky first. I mean, you know, so I thought, Tim, I thought Tim Couch was going to be amazing. You know, uh, yeah. I'm from the era when Tim Couch was supposed to be good. So I tell you whatever. what I would do. I don't care what nobody says. Georgia fans got mad at me about something like this that I said before, but I'll say it now in a different context. If Anthony Richardson is sitting there in the second round, I am rolling the <laughs> dice. If Anthony Richardson is sitting there at the end of the first round, I'm rolling the dice and I'm going to be the person that I don't think anybody else should ever be, which is to say, well, look at Josh Allen. Like that, that is what, man, I see it with Anthony Richardson. Like, cause what I said that made people mad was, and I let these people working on this show make a slate that put the quote out there and got the people all riled up and they ain't even bothered to listen to what I was talking about. Because <laughs> I said I'd rather have Anthony Richardson than Stetson Bennett. My point was... Which is which is reasonable. I yeah, my point is I want the high ceiling guy, yeah. right? Like, right. that's what it's going to be. I want the high ceiling guy. And the ceiling on that guy is mm-hmm. so high. Yeah. I just don't know whose fault it is that it has not been put together up until this point. Well, that's my concern with Anthony Richardson, the fact that he hasn't put it together. Because at some point you want to see you want to see something, right? You want to be like, all right, like he's eventually I, I can see the, you know, the pieces of what would be a, an eventual great NFL quarterback. Right now, I just see a really great athlete. Yeah, uh, but I'll take your word for it. Maybe he will, you know, he, he will pop up. Yeah, I, man. I can understand the second round thing. Uh, but I, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hinge my hopes on that. And I mean, and I don't think anybody would. Oh, no, 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 no. But that's the thing. I would rather roll the dice on an Anthony Richardson in the second round than a Kenny Pickett in the first round. I guess that's what I'm saying. Cause I'm not really locked into anything with a second round pick. I I never saw any of those guys. I never saw Kenny Pickett and thought, man, that dude definitely, you know, definitely gonna win. I, I, I totally agree. Like, I definitely don't think you should take a quarterback in the first round unless you are absolutely convinced that guy. Like my theory on this has always been, if it's not Andrew Luck, if it's not, you know, I guess Trevor Lawrence, even though he hasn't necessarily, you know, turned out to what we thought he was going to be so far, then don't worry about it. Just get one of those little veterans, tread water, yeah. and maybe take a developmental guy later in the draft. But, the, but, the, but, then, you you beca- but, but then you become the Colts. Right. Well, right? I mean, and, the that's, Colts- and that's the dilemma. Hey, as Jim Irsay said, we've been in the top quartile of the top quartile for the last <laughs> for the last decade or something. So, they, I mean, they have had some success. Um, in, in spite of that, I mean, with Phillip Rivers, they made the playoffs. Like, I mean, people thought they were going to be really good this year. I just, yeah, this year it all bottomed out. But I just don't think that this is like, I don't think this is representative of what that franchise has been doing in the past few years. Like, I think yeah. it's just a lot of bad luck. Um, I think there's something I, to that. Yeah, like I just, I, I don't think there was any reason for them to panic. I don't think they had to fire Marcus Brady or Frank Wright. I think there's a way to say. The offensive line is not as good as we thought it was going to be. Matt Ryan is not as good as we thought he was going to be. Let's just start over, but we got the guts of a really good franchise here, or a good foundation here, and they're just blowing it all up. For I mean, who the hell knows? Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. 
Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, here's the other part of this, too. To me, you mentioned Chris Ballard. Ursay must absolutely be using this as a show of confidence for Chris Ballard. And the reason I say that is, what general manager are you going to hire who's got this coach who ain't never coached before? You know what I mean? Like, you come after this season, and if Ursay is hell-bent on uh, Saturday being the coach, you're not going to be able to find another general manager. Because, A, a general manager is going to want to bring on his own guy. But, B, even if he can't bring on his own guy, this is not the guy that he necessarily is going to want to have. And is that a conversation you want to have with Jim Irsay about? Like, I mean, you come in and it's like, all right, man, I know that, you know, Jeff Saturday is your boy. He seems like a really nice dude, but this isn't <laughs> going to work. Like, that's just not a conversation. I wouldn't I wouldn't have confidence in myself that I could convince him that this is a bad idea. No, nah, what, <laughs> what you do on that is you come in and you lie. <laughs> and then you spend your whole time just laying the groundwork and you're going to have a real hard time doing this because it's kind of impossible not to like Jeff. He and, seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. Man. And one thing, thing, and one thing Jeff going to be good at is Jeff is a, uh, from what I can tell and what I've been told an aisle crosser. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Okay. He, all he, right. He, he know how to talk to all you know how to do the, the position group. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, okay, but, right. but not <laughs> like, but not that archetype of it. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, like he's the big old white dude. He's from Tucker, somewhere outside Atlanta, you know. And okay, the thing Tucker, is, but diversity. being white and from Atlanta don't mean nothing as it relates to your relationships with black people, because white people avoid black people like the plague in Atlanta, right? Absolutely. So it ain't even that. He's a dude that just works well with all the rooms, and he's been that. And so, you know, maybe that's something that ends up uh, being helpful to him. I just, what I want people, as I think about it, though, going back to like the Rooney Rule stuff or whatever, like for me. I got but so much energy and I got but so much capital and equity that I can expend on these matters. This isn't the one that I was getting out <laughs> here and cashing nothing in on. Like it was just too much other stuff that was going on here. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. It's not even a boy who cried wolf situation because it's not really that. But it's more so you could get up and get your food out the microwave yourself. But you screaming for somebody else to come over here, man. Nah, man, just go do it this time. You know, like this time, this one. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. We call a foul on every play if we want to, but I'm really not sure this one was a foul. No, not that I hear foul. You. 
I, I told like I, I see both sides of it. I understand why people can look at that situation and say, you know what? Uh, there's not a black coach that could come from outside of an organization, uh, be a high school coach and get that sort of position. And we can quibble about whether or not it's a real opportunity or not. Mm-hmm. Jim Ursay is saying that it is and that he wants to do something with him. And there's not a black guy that would ever get that opportunity. No, but. I also agree with you in that that ain't a job you want. You know what I'm saying? And like Terry Robinski nev- could tell you. <laughs> and there's never been a white guy to get this opportunity. Good right? Point. Like that's right. the thing. White folks was hot. Yeah. yeah like it's white true. folks is like, what about you? What about me? I, I mean, fair point. Fair point. And look, I mean, I I don't like to be this kind of a guy, but Jim Mercy did hire Tony Dungy and he did hire Jim Caldwell. And like we can say that that doesn't matter, but it actually does. Like I well, think it does. Here, here's the thing, and Basically, white folks lost the benefit of the doubt a long time ago in the NFL about this, right? Mm-hmm. It is not uncommon when it's time to hire somebody for whatever the job may be that someone say, oh, I know exactly who I want to hire for this job. Yes. And then they go hire that person. But because the NFL has messed up so much, they put themselves in a position where they have to go through a certain protocol because they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt, right? Right. But Jim Ursay did once wake up and say, I know exactly who I want to hire to be my head coach. And that person was Tony Dungy. Right. You know, this isn't about Ursay in terms of the Rooney Rule stuff as it is the macro level issues. And see, what mm-hmm. Ursay going to do to make everybody's life hard is people were like, well, there's no Rooney Rule requirement for interim coaching. Of course not. Nobody has like a full process for I mean, hiring you, an interim. But I mean, now Ursay but- going to make it where they got to. I mean, by its nature, you are in chaos. Like this is a, it's just a, it's like if you have to go to an interim coach, things have gone awry, and you're making decisions in the middle of tumult. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know how you could or why you would even really want to have a process for that because I think at that point, if a team is turned into an interim coach, it's all bad. Yeah, like that's nothing. Un- that's good teams don't have an interim coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> like we need like interim coach. That's a substitute teacher. That's like right. yo, we need somebody. We need somebody. We need a substitute teacher. Cool. Make three phone calls, <laughs> get some references, and then see if they can make it by seven <laughs> fifteen. Right, right. Can you be a, okay? We'll make we. Yeah, we'll take care of it. the thing. Only thing though, again, is that like for Jeff Saturday's sake, uh, and the players in that locker room's sake. I just like, hey man. You got to convince those guys that there's something worth playing for this year. I mean, again, you say the eye in the sky, but I mean, we all know what the deal is, man. They tanking for Webby Yama, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, again, the Sam Ellinger thing was the first clue. Any, again, oh my God. Wait, every, Earth- every... <laughs> Colt McCoy did not end up being a good NFL quarterback. But if you had told me Colt McCoy had got that position, I'd have been like, all right, that makes sense. Sam Ellinger? Sam Ellinger? Come on, dog. I can't believe he has played a down of NFL football. I didn't think he was going to get drafted. Like, for him, he got drafted in the sixth round, and I still was like, really? They drafted Sam Ellinger? I thought he was going to be an insurance agent or a car salesman by now. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, have no, his no, own no. He, car, no, doing radio. Like, radio? he could probably, okay. he'd probably do radio down there. That's yeah. true. He does have the weird back thing, you know what I'm saying? He does have well, a little bit he's of got the weird back down thing. There. They want a sugar bowl. He's like a four-year starter. <laughs> basically he's a low i would love to hear what george foster has to say about that sugar bowl victory by the way oh i mean it's it's it's, it's so bogus it's such i mean a that was not a real that was not a real half, half of georgia <laughs> team not a real went in the game yeah. you they know <laughs> georgia you mentioned stetson bennett do you watch p valley no nah, i don't watch p valley man 
that's a bit look kind of look like one of the characters in P Valley. And I'm curious to see who the first listener is to know who it is that I'm talking about. Oh, I got to see this then. I got to look it up. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm a, as we are doing this, I'm going to pull this up on the phone and I'm going to uh, send you something about uh, who the character is. Mm-hmm. And you will have a uh, a better understanding of what I'm talking about. But it's this family and they got three sons. And he reminds me of the youngest son who's got a little bit uh, of a different situation than his other huh. brothers. Okay, look, this he is look, a he look a little different than they do. Really? Okay, so maybe maybe just a different daddy, somebody like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah. in the, some somebody in snuck in the wood pile. And... Yeah, yeah, you know, you get a look at it. But I saw Stetson Bennett. And he got some wheels. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not to you know. I just, I just say I I see a resemblance between those two gentlemen, and I will not extrapolate, but so much from that, I would just simply say the two gentlemen bear some similarity. I'm having too hard a time remembering the dude's name to really get you the picture. But okay. Uh, anyway, by the way, this this Georgia thing, you know, I like talking college football with you. Mm-hmm. Dude, it seems like every player on Georgia's team is better than whoever is head is head up against them. Um, I mean, what? I so I thought didn't they, they? So they had five players off that defense draft in the first round last year, right? Yes. Um, it they're possibly better this year. Or as good? It's I mean, everybody thought Jalen Carter was better than like Jordan Davis um last year, right? Like everybody thought that, that Jalen Carter was gonna be that dude. But mm-hmm. I mean, how could how could I mean no, but I didn't really think that when people said that, you know, they were gonna have to rebuild or whatever, I did I there's no way that I thought they were gonna be this good. And I mean they punished Tennessee, man. Like Tennessee looked really, really good. I thought I didn't think there was any way they could hold them without a touchdown for a whole damn game. And come on, they, Tennessee just scored a touchdown in that game by all yes. intents and purposes. You know what I'm saying? So, yo, somebody hit me and was like, "I guess Tennessee was a fraud." I'm like, actually, that's not the lesson that uh, I'm taking from that. I'm yeah. taking from that that Georgia's the monsters. Yeah, man. That's I mean, they, oh, okay. And you know, as I got the picture, okay, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, I'm putting Stetson right below. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Same jawline and everything, huh? <laughs> man, does Stetson know that he got, I mean. I don't know. Somebody need to bring, to bring it to his attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I Actually, I think it, he would prefer you not. Yeah, well, I mean, P-Valley probably is not his. Uh, I, I've not seen P-Valley but I can only imagine that is not programming that he is familiar with uh, or yeah. be associated with in any sort of a way. Hey, man, you never know what people are into. You know what I'm saying? You, He's you in never... college. He's in college. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's not... I mean, he might have to cross aisles like Jeff Saturday, you know? <laughs> <laughs> While I got you here, we do a little college uh, football talk. Me and Spencer love to talk about this. You and I talk about it more offline, but. We keep trying to explain to people what happens when Alabama shows a little weakness. They have lost two games by four points. To top and 10 teams. Is, yes, top 10 teams. Yeah. Both on the road. Right. Right. And it both is on the road. Panic time. But you know, man, so that it's true. It is panic time. But I guess the thing is beyond the losses. Has Alabama looked good this year to you? Well, see, that's the thing that makes this very interesting, right? 
They didn't look good against Texas or Texas no, A&M. They didn't look good against Texas A&M. I didn't see the Texas game. They didn't look good against Texas A&M. I mean, they didn't look good against Tennessee. They, they did not. not look good against LSU. Like, these are the games that I've seen them play. I guess they look good enough against Arkansas, but the bottom's falling out for Arkansas. But even with them not looking good, they if you want to, you spin that as, man, champions, finding a way to win. But since the right. Lodge Stars are over there at Georgia, it's the end of an era. Yeah. I mean, it, so, would, oh, okay. I know that we, we've, we've talked about this a little bit before, but, like, do you think that this is it for Nick Saban? Like, do you think that – I? so I, my belief is that Nick Saban has had all the great seasons he's going to have at this point. And really, I mean, we forget. You know, it's kind of like when we look at LeBron or – um. Tom Brady, and you kind of forget, oh, these people are old. Nick Saban is 70 years old, man. And when coaches get that old, I mean, every coach before him, Bobby Bowden, Joe Paterno, Eddie Robinson, I'm talking about like his peers. After the age of 70, I mean, among them, maybe they had one good season combined, like one national championship contending season. And these are some of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. Why would Nick Saban be immune to any of that? Well, the point that Spencer makes is that the staff ain't there, right? Like the staff, these monstrous, keep, these monstrous staff people? that he's built. Right. He kept like it ain't what it was. And you look around mm-hmm. and a lot of these guys are gone and that's a part of it. Right. So. Right. But it's wild, though, because 2017, when we were killing Brian Dayball for doing a terrible job coordinated Alabama, little did we know. Right. <laughs> like, right. like I don't that, know. Dude. Like, all of a sudden they put two in in the second half and it was like, oh, OK, maybe Brian Dayball halfway knows what it is that he's doing. But he doesn't have a Kirby Smart anymore running things. Right. Offensive coordinator has always been a trick bag job working for Saban, but they had figured that out. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's just a staff thing. They're getting like top five recruiting classes but not necessarily at the level of Georgia. But the difference between one and five is not necessarily that great. Um, have to be. You know, when it comes to it, but they're going to go 10 and two this year because I just can't, I mean, I'm just not picking Ole Miss to beat them. Well, like I was going to say, they could lose Ole Miss. I mean, they yeah, could. They could, but I mean, they not. <laughs> like they could. I bet they got, they having their crispest week of practice ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, think he about to, you think he about to let Lane Get over. Oh, no, 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 no. That ain't about Fair to happen. Fair I mean, I, I mean, I think it's within the realm of possibility, but I also think you're right. But the, the thing is, is that Bama has not done that. We're going to beat your ass up type team this year. Like they just mm-hmm. can't exert their will over people anymore like that. And that's that's I think that's what when Alabama fans are looking at it and they're panicking and unnecessarily so, because I still think you let Nick Saban coach. And leave him the hell alone until he doesn't want to coach anymore. Yeah, but but they, no, no, I mean, no. That they they can't work like that. They can't. Uh, they, the the thing they should know at least about Saban is once he stops meeting their standards, he'll probably quit on his own. That's what Bryant did. Now, granted, yeah. he died a month later, like imme- but, immediately. Yes. Yeah, but that's what Bryant did. Hey, I you deserve better coaching than you're getting from me right now. And by the way, age sixty nine, going on seventy. Um, but you know, but that's that's what that's how it went on that job, Alabama. And this thing I give them. They're like, hey, man, if you ain't first, you're last, right? They're like, once this thing starts looking like it's on the decline and this is not an anomaly, well, we need to get back on top. Problem is, <laughs> going and finding that other Nick Saban is an incredibly difficult thing to do. To find another Bear Bryant, it took them 24 years. Is this the time that people could start talking about 
somebody coming home to Alabama. He ain't, he ain't that stupid. I, I'm just saying. He ain't that stupid. He is, this, a, is this the time? You know, maybe the, everybody a, could use a reset. He would be an idiot for doing that. I just I wouldn't, can't. I wouldn't want that job neither. But Especially not post Saban? Yeah, I mean, you want somebody in the middle. And we're talking about Dabo Swinney, yeah. uh, for the record. But, I mean, you want somebody in the middle there, right? Like, you want to replace the guy that replaces Saban and not Saban. But I'm just saying, all the resources are there. Like, you could look at it and say, well, hell, I mean, I got everything I need here to win. What competitive advantage does Alabama have over half the sec so what advantage do they have One, over two. georgia <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, they, but that's they, it i mean nothing i mean now that the world is sort of settling in the way that we think it should according to like demographics culture everything else nothing over georgia what, what advantage georgia is they, a cool ass program yeah what advantage do they have over lsu what advantage do they have over florida there's nothing about Alabama that's like you should be good. Like they have advantages over Auburn, right? right? But there's nothing about Alabama that is you should be good because of this. If Ole Miss hadn't held on to the racism for so long, it could what, be them. Yeah, what what would it be? And so that's the thing about Alabama. They got the want to. And so if you are the right guy that can help you punch above your weight class, they're going to do everything to get it done. But I don't think people realize how consistently – what they're doing, no matter who you are, is punching above your weight class. I looked this up. 2018's recruiting class will be the mm-hmm. first recruiting class to leave Alabama and not have two national championships in four years. Unbelievable, man. Since I mean, the just... 2007 recruiting class. Everybody else has gotten out of there with two rings in four years. Nobody can do that. I mean, that's the thing. I just, like, I don't think... This is, and we're arguing for like reasonableness here, right? And Alabama fans are not known for that. But don't you just have to understand that it will never be this good again in your lifetime? You know what I mean? Like, don't it's supposed to be. You're supposed to understand it. Like, I'm a TCU fan. I know that it will never be better than those years than when we won the Rose Bowl and all that other stuff. Like, I'm just, just, it's just, I just understand that. And I want them to be good and competitive beyond that. But I'm looking at, but like, again, that's what makes TCU TCU. That's what makes Bama Bama. They're like, oh, hell no. You know, because right. I mean, they got a whole bunch of people around them. They hate that they want to be better than too. Like, d- despite the want to, they hate a lot of them people. How dare they let Auburn, a LSU, a Georgia, a Florida get better than them? They're not going to take, they're not going to stand for that. But mm-hmm. they may have no choice. I mean, the thing is, they may run up against the reality because Nebraska didn't want it either. Nebraska didn't want this to happen. Yeah. <laughs> they went, they had one, two, two. Uh, yeah. Oklahoma. Didn't want this year to happen. It happened, though. Yeah. Now you're like, this is no way I touch that job, man. And maybe there's a generation of young Well, you coaches. do it because you, you make $9 million. You may make, you may make $9 million. Yeah, maybe Mel million Tucker dollars. making $9 million at Michigan State. You know what I'm saying? Like, finding somebody <laughs> to pay you $9 million isn't nearly as hard. That You ain't got to do that to get your $9 million. I just, the youngsters, their only hope is the youngsters don't know exactly what this fire-breathing dragon is. It's true. It's true. They don't know what it is. I I guess my, you know, it's going to be a much more difficult job going forward. But everybody, I mean, there's a generation of kids that have seen Alabama be great. And at at least like their down cycle is 10 and 2. It's not what these other schools are. You know what I'm saying? So like at a minimum, 
we know that like it's not the bottom has not fallen completely out. And again, maybe we're and we've talked about all this Bomani, and maybe we're still panicking because I mean they should have beat Tennessee played as well as they could play in an environment that was made for them. Like that is, I mean, we haven't seen Tennessee like that in a generation. And they still barely won. <laughs> okay. That's and what I'm saying. Not a good time. Yeah, right. And LSU is like the, the environment, night game, Tiger Stadium, Brian Kelly, good coach. They're putting it all together. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, man, that, I, people should just be reasonable about what is going on. But I can understand that it's bigger than that. They're looking yeah. at Georgia and they're like, I don't think we better than them, yeah, no matter also, what we do. But also the national folks jumped on it, too, because this run has just been so unprecedented. Like, I can't think of any run that Nothing. is close to this. They have treated the AP poll the way mm -hmm. that Oklahoma and Nebraska used to treat the Big Eight. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like when they were yeah. always one, two, always one, two. That's how Alabama has treated the top five, like the season-ending yep. poll of the playoff committee. That's how they treat it. So I get it that it's like, oh, this is a little bit different. But the terms of, oh, I think they're in trouble. If they go 10-2 and two every year, that's really good, guys. That's oh, really yeah. good. And it'll get Nick Saban fired after the third one. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, he can't have another season like this because then people will start nudging. But, you know, and you 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 mentioned uh, we haven't seen a run like this. And maybe it may be not so like I'm, I'm just trying to think as a Bama fan. Florida State finished in the top four. Top for 15, five, 14 years in a row. 14, year, 14 years in a row. And now, we, I mean, what do we I mean, what are we supposed to say about Florida? I mean, they did have, you know, the 2013 team, but it's never really been the same since then. But Florida, but Florida State was ahead of the game on something when that went down. They were way ahead of the integration game on the rest of the schools in the South. Like Florida State and Miami accelerated the integration of Southern football because they were not operating on caps and quotas like everybody else seemed to. Like the big right. thing about Alabama in the 70s rather, relative to the rest of the SEC, they had more want to, and they wanted it bad enough to go ahead and bring some more of them boys on down right, to make that thing in. happen. You know what I'm saying? And so Florida and Florida's like, what makes the Alabama thing so interesting is they had that run and they really weren't ahead on anything. Like the other thing that Florida and Florida State were ahead on is Florida players. Right. You know what I mean? mean? That's when the demographics, it was exploding. They needed yeah. to go to get them guys first. Right. Yeah, right. Like this is before everybody else, which is really wild that nobody figured this out. Before everybody figured out what the talent situation was down there. Alabama wasn't ahead of anything before anybody else. It was just a more like uh, a something percent concentrated power and will. You know, they was out here. <laughs> they, they, they were like, hey, man, we got this. We got saving. We got the right guy to push this thing. We gonna make it happen, but that's the thing with Georgia. What if what are are they doing anything other than just doing it better than anybody else? Oregon, when they had their run, which obviously is not the same as this, they were ahead of the game on the way they like marketed themselves to their players with the uniforms, uniforms and stuff and like that, the sports science yeah. stuff, the offense. Like you can yeah. see what it was that everybody yeah. else had to catch up to. Alabama, you just out there like, damn, I guess we got to get as good as them. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the thing is though, is that they're not gonna. I mean. When, when Alabama, when Nick Saban goes, so the thing is, I just think we're just not appreciative enough of what Nick Saban has done. And when he's gone and that equals us, like, so, okay, yeah, here, this is what I'll try to say. But money, we've been following college football our entire life. Have I mean, 
I never really understood. I, I understood the Alabama thing, but I didn't really understand until Nick Saban went there. Right. I mean, I'm old enough to remember, bruh, Dennis Franchoni left Alabama to go to Texas A&M. You know what I mean? Hold like up. this is a this is a very recent development in our lifetimes of Alabama being this, Hold you up. know? And like Franchoni was relatively safe because the 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 probation hammer right. had already started, right? He but didn't have he, to go. He looked around. As I recall, his last game at Alabama was a game against Hawaii because they couldn't go to the bowl that year. So they scheduled a bowl game, basically. Mm -hmm. And is that Alabama? Alabama invades Hawaii. (laughs) He had a 10 and three season, looked around and said, Nah, this ain't (laughs) for me. And got the hell out of Dodge. And by the way, his three losses that year were to um, a very good Oklahoma team on the road by 10 points. Wait, wait, was that the 2003? 2002. No, no, no. Oh, 2002. 2003. Okay. You know where Franchoni was in 2003. Oh, yeah, that's Texas right. I covered A&M that Because you were right. there when they were losing 77 to nothing. Oof, Lord um, yeah, they yeah. lost a close game to Georgia, and they lost by 10 to, to Auburn. But he looked around and just said, I'm blowing this pop stand. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, man, look, man, again, in our lifetime, I mean, there was that great Alabama team that beat Miami in the Sugar Bowl. We didn't see that coming. But I never... I mean, you you would have had to explain to me as a kid, like, well, why would anybody go to Alabama? Like, as a kid, a, a kid growing up in Houston in the '80s and '90s, I go, why would anybody go to Alabama? What's cool about playing in Tuscaloosa? Yeah. You know, but dog, but, dog, and, but this the standard at Alabama. You don't remember this part. I'm a, as we wrap this up. Gene Stallings took that job in 1990. He left in 1996. I'm going to run through the win totals for you. Okay, mm. seven, eleven, thirteen, nine. Ooh. 12, 8, and 10. And they ran him out. Man, he's a native son, right? Like he's, they, a, he, he's, that's, he's, he's a junction boy. He's a he's a junction. Brian guy more than anything else. Brian he's, he's okay. But they ran him out. Yeah. I mean, in that championship, I mean, again, like there's no <laughs> that look, man, Alabama, man, I you know, I, I kind of want to. I'm thinking about them like I think about Oklahoma and everybody else. And I'm not trying to, you know, talk about these programs or whatever, but I you might want to think about like what the the new era of college football is going to look like and like what your expectations should reasonably be. Yeah. You know, and I, I think LSU is crazy as they are, they kind of have the right idea. You know what I'm saying? Like there's like, hey, look, man, we might have to be eight and four one of these years. Yes. As long as we're gonna be tw- you know, twelve and one one of them other years, you know, and yes. we're gonna just go keep we'll keep fi- we'll hire we'll 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 hire until we get it right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's like the best way instead of being like, Man, I don't know, man. George might be, we might get you know, get rid of Nick Saban. Like, nah, man. It's like just think of this, enjoy this. Yeah, enjoy you, this because it's never gonna be this good again. Like, do you plan to hire Kirby Smart? Oh, you don't, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well then damn, maybe that's what they mad at. Knew we should have fired Nick and hired Kirby. I know what they just like <laughs> what they just be like, hey man, what about Dan Landon? He looking pretty good right <laughs> now, ain't he? You know? <laughs> yeah, man. But hey, that is Joel Anderson. Check him out at Slate H Time. Check him out. Oh, also, don't forget. Don't forget. Oh, yeah. see this? This no, weekend. Yeah. My boys against your boys. Nah. Is, uh, you know. Only one of us roots for a team that's in that game. I don't know why you just mm. can't acknowledge that mm-hmm. that they kind of mm-hmm. pushed me to the break with that damn song. I better not I, I better not see no text from you on Saturday then. 
you know what I'm uh, no no i antagonize you and i'm gonna tell you guys this right fast about this dude i'm talking to joel <laughs> creating the the ultimate no lose situation he didn't want them to hire sonny dykes they keep winning all these games with sonny dykes and so all he does is hold on waiting on sonny dykes to lose a game so he could every 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 week it changes Process over we'll results. see if they beat oklahoma state then they beat oklahoma state well we'll Process see if we do this result. well we'll results. see if we do this so basically as soon as they lose, I told y'all about Sonny Dykes. But if they win, he'd be out here peacocking. Look, man, I, I'm saying let's just let's just let's just get through this stretch right here, okay? He's he's got a losing record in November uh, for his whole career, and you know it could pop up. But hey, man, look, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an important game, big game. You know, I mean, he's gonna have to win an SEC road game against a ranked Texas team, the wealthiest college athletic program in the country, the one had its own linear cable network. You know, uh, they also boast the architect of the TCU program on their staff right now. Many of the players on TCU's roster are people that Gary recruited and signed and developed. I mean, ESPN's own analytics department says there's a 73 percent chance that the Longhorns are going to win. So, I mean, you're really looking at an underdog situation right here. And, you know, I just hope that these little frogs can keep chugging along, man. And, you know, hope they can hand up. They can hang up against really my hey, big old ladies tough, and gentlemen, Texas. Thanks so much for joining us here on the right <laughs> time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Uh, you do this thing three times a week. Parker Owens, Dan Stanch, Agati Khan handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Like I did that to Joel, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to see no text. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.